and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. This is Mark Marble, and this is the Lantern Cast, episode 385. So basically, this is going to be a Star Wars Rise of Skywalker centric episode. It didn't quite pan out the way I thought there'd be more segments, so it turns out there's just going to be one segment between Ryan Daly and I. So that's what we're the bulk of the episode is going to be. So we're going to roll into that now. There will be, I mean, we're going to talk about Star Wars more once Chad sees it. And I know there were, like, Corwin and probably Jim and other people are going to want to talk about this too. But based on the holidays, it didn't really pan out. But this is the uh, this is the in-depth episode, I'm going to say, we'll probably do on Star Wars. I may try all the talking points or the notes and I, things I wanted to talk about. I, Ryan and I pretty much discussed almost all of it, not everything. So that way, there wouldn't it won't hopefully be too repetitious when we do talk about this a little bit more but if you want to talk about the rise or listen to the rise of skywalker and get some insights from ryan and i here we go so now i'm joined by our friend ryan daly uh who always joined well actually you joined me for quite a bit of franchise talk but star wars is (laughs) star wars is near and dear to to both of our hearts, or at least it used to be. But the thing, but I was thinking you earlier because I was actually was watching Creed two earlier. Even though I guess I, watching Rocky four would have been a more appropriate Christmas movie. That always gets overlooked, you know. Die Hard is always a Christmas movie, but people forget Rocky four is a Christmas movie too. <laughs> they, they fought on Christmas Day. Um, yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, so yes, we're here to talk about the rise of Skywalker. Now you've seen it twice, right, so far? Yes, I have. Yeah. I, yeah, I saw it, I saw it opening I saw it opening night, which I was not expecting to do. But uh, I just I saw so many bad reviews, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to go the entire weekend with just this hanging over my head, like this, like you know, sort of Damocles. I was like, I just want to rip the bandaid off. If this thing is going to be awful, let's just do this. So I, I made the arrangements to go and see it opening night. Yeah, and then I saw it again uh, Sunday night. So I saw it Thursday night, and I saw it. Friday afternoon, and I will be seeing it Thursday night. Thursday night will be number three. Uh, so, what are your thoughts? <laughs> your initial thoughts? Well, actually, a little bit more than initial, because at least you had a gap between the days you saw it. Yeah, uh, I mean, if, I mean, for context, uh, the last Jedi put a whammy on me. Um, it it. It really messed with me and my whole Star Wars fandom, and I did not like the movie. Now, my reasons for not liking the movie, I don't think, are the same as the reasons of the angry 
like foaming at the mouth, like Twitter people who send threats to the cast members and and sign petitions that Disney should just remake the entire movie at their own expense for the sake of these people. Like those, those nut jobs. Like now, standing, it's like I had other reasons that I didn't like the movie. Um, and part of it was. Uh, I mean, it, it like it, I felt like it undid and it, it contradicted aspects of of uh, the Force Awakens, but it also made me retroactively not like the Force Awakens as much as I initially did. So I was kind of left with this whole thinking after after the last Jedi. I was like, I I don't know what this trilogy is. This feels like a mess, and I don't, I'm not looking forward to the third one because there's no like cliffhanger ending. There's no like character arcs to be resolved. There's like, just I like. I don't know what the heck they're going to do. So I was really in a bad place for as far as Star Wars goes for like about a year and a half, two years or something like that. And I thought Solo was fine, but it didn't excite me. Um, but then about a month, maybe two months ago, you know, after seeing some of the trailers, I was kind of like my my curiosity about the rise of Skywalker was getting peaked more, almost as a kind of novelty. I'm like, well... I just want to know what they're going to do, and it might be awful, but it might be the best of these three movies. And I just, I don't know, and I'm just, I just want a sense of closure and finality for this whole thing. Um, so that's that was kind of like going into it, and then like you know, after the Hollywood, after the premiere, after the screening and everything, the reports started coming in, and Forbes magazine said it was the worst Star Wars movie of all time. And I'm like, did you see the prequels? Let's <laughs> come on. Was, hey now. <laughs> Um, but so I, so I was like, okay, this might this might be awful. But I I went into the movie, and it's funny, like I because I took my wife to see it the second time, and I think she had almost the exact same reaction to it. Fifteen twenty minutes into the movie, we're kind of gnashing our teeth, going, ah, this is going to be a really bad experience. But about an hour later, I'm like. This is really fun, and I don't know what's going on, but I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying this. And the whole sort of big picture – I mean the, the short answer to your question originally. Which right. was Long answer is fine. Yeah, but the answer is I did enjoy it, and I do like the movie with the stipulation it is full of problems. It is by far a perfect movie. I'm not even sure it's – it's definitely not a great movie. It's like borderline. But – I I mostly had an enjoyable time watching the movie. It wasn't necessarily the Star Wars movie that I wanted or that I would have done, but I uh, like halfway through I was finding things like all of the stuff that I expected to hate or that should have bothered me weren't bothering me. Uh, and if we're getting into, I mean, uh, is there, are we spoiler written oh, yes, here? This, not, this will yeah. definitely be okay. spoilers. So just going through the the big beats, like I I knew that they were going to bring Palpatine back, and I did not like that. I wasn't happy with that idea, and from the beginning, I was like, I don't like this. But then I'm kind of like, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm I'm accepting that. I was like, if once I meet the movie kind of on its level, that this isn't just the end of like another story. This is the end of nine movies. Palpatine was the big bad for the first six. How can you not have him here at the end? I'm like, okay. With that in mind, I'm accepting that they brought him back. I don't like it, but I'm accepting it, and I at least like the look of his Sith temple and everything. So I'm having more fun. I was like, the whole thing with him with Ray's heritage and, and Palpatine. I was like. Mm. I did. I 
I was I was really okay with her being a nobody from like nowhere and not connected, not having this like powerful bloodline. I kind of liked Ryan Johnson's message that anybody could be special and that you're not predestined because of who because of who your parents were and all these things. I I kind of liked what he was doing, and once I was like, oh, they're gonna reverse that, they're gonna they're gonna negate that. I was like, I'm not happy with this. But then once they started doing it, I'm like. You know what? This isn't bothering me like I thought it would because I like her reaction. It feels honest. I like this connection. Like it, it's working within the context of this story. Um, and there were like the the yeah, there was just like a ton of things. I was like, this should be ticking me off, but for some reason it's not. For some reason it's working, and it does feel like they had to cram. Two and a half to three movies, the entire trilogy within this one, which is why I think it's a mess and it's clunky at times and everything like that. Like he really was doing the work of three movies in this one, but it was it was fun, you know. I, I just they, they, I, I there were things about it that bothered me, but they didn't bother me as much. So I just overall I enjoyed it and I left the theater feeling better about Star Wars than I had since 2017. Yes, you were you were you were pretty much you you were you were on the ledge. I remember that. <laughs> I, I I wasn't quite on the ledge, but yeah, my but but it did suck all the enthusiasm I had for the franchise right out the. the I was not looking forward to, be, as the market and it's hard to say the marketing campaign for this movie ever really kicked in except for maybe like they got I think they were starting to get desperate. <laughs> towards the last like three weeks, mm. so they knew they had to do something because they failed miserably on on really giving you an, a real reason to go see this movie other than the fact that you've seen the others. Uh-huh. That I was, you know, the trailer came out and we talked about this on this show for a while. That you know, when the teaser trailer comes out, if there's ever a movie that needs to hit a home run with the teaser trailer, it's it's Episode Nine because of where where Star Wars is and it comes out. And if you took out Luke's narration and Palpatine's laugh, that thing wouldn't even be a grand rule double. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we're not going to give you another trailer for like four or five months. And I don't count that D23 thing. That's just a sizzle right. reel with like about four, like 30 seconds of new material. And the rest of it's all scenes from episodes one through eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when they finally released the second trailer known as the final trailer on Monday Night Football, it's like, okay, this is the one that shouldn't – this is your time. <laughs> no, that's not real. As a trailer, it still wasn't much better. So my enthusiasm, I was expect being blunt, much like you, I think. I was kind of expecting this to be a train wreck. I really was. And based on a lot of – and so much of – and the fact that all the things we heard about this movie, those who paid attention to all the leaks and all the – that – there's nothing that made this movie sound good. <laughs> Even if you want to believe is it like 65 different endings for this movie or there really were like three distinct cuts of this movie, yet wherever the truth happens to lie, the reality is that none of it sounded particularly good. I mean, the whole ending that we got, we heard about, I mean, the people who were paying attention heard about that ending with Kylo saving Rey and blah, 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 blah. That was supposedly like the last change they made to the ending because everything you ever heard about the ending before was once, once Kylo gets thrown down the pit, that's it. He's gone. <laughs> so I kind of – I'm glad they changed that only because it gave, it gave Kylo a little bit – it made his sacrifice a little bit more. It made it – give a little more meat on the bones I think to it. And you can make a case it adds to her taking the name, which is still cringeworthy on multiple levels. But it, but again, but again, it justifies it a little bit more because she's honoring everybody. 
Mm-hmm. All her, the entire family, except for Anakin, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, but much like you, I went in expecting this, expecting this to be a train wreck. the The early, the early criticisms and critiques of this movie after the premiere were not good. But the reason why I didn't jump off the ledge on that was because you had to look and sit and read what the criticisms really were in particular. That there was a lot of. A lot of giving people what they would want, a lot of fan service, a lot mm-hmm. of callbacks, and I'm thinking, okay, at least for the people that were really upset after Last Jedi, that's not going to be a negative to those people, right? So I'm not going to be, so I'm not going to assume, and pl- I mean, because I was firm, firmly a believer that positive reviews were not going to help this movie at all because. Last Jedi got great reviews, and people got burned. So no matter what people yeah. said about this movie, they were not going to go, yeah, but they just said that about Last Jedi too. But I also believe really bad reviews could hurt this movie depending on what they said. Yeah. And it's arguable since the box office, and we, we might get to that too, the box office was not what they obviously really wanted it to be or what people thought it was going to be. I don't know if the reviews hurt it that, that much. Maybe it hurt it a little. But it didn't torpedo it like it probably could have if the reviews were saying, "Oh, forget about it being, forget about giving people what they want. This makes nobody happy." <laughs> 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 if there's one Star Wars movie you want to see, this is not it. But yeah, it, I mean, it is sort of, it is kind of like the opposite of the Last Jedi, which oh, was yes. before before that one came out. The critics were praising it; they were saying it was the best movie since The Empire Strikes Back. Everybody like Kathleen Kennedy, everybody at Lucasfilm was like, you know what, we, we're going to lock Ryan Johnson down. He's going to do every Star Wars movie from now on. Now, 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 we, lock, now we lock him yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, and they were crazy for it. But then like the movie comes out, and some people are like, this is the worst thing. Ever. Like This thing is like an affront to humanity, and they're going crazy. <laughs> they're burning this movie in effigies. And, and then this one, the critics are – panning this one, but anecdotally, almost everybody I have talked to says the movie was all right. It wasn't the best thing since sliced bread, but it wasn't bad. And they were they were all the all the like friend reviews that I have talked to. Everybody was kind of like, yeah, it was it was it was entertaining. I'm glad I saw it. And like like the tomato the Rotten Tomato scores, it was like like when the movie opened, it was like the the critic score was you know fifty six fifty nine percent, like definitely a failing grade. But the audience score was up in the high eighties or something like that. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting because because obviously you go back to Force Awakens, everybody was on the same page with Force mm-hmm. Awakens. I mean, critics and the fans were on, were on the same page. And part of it's the expectation game because mm-hmm. obviously the franchise was – people were so looking forward to Force Awakens. And it, it's one of the interesting things, again, about the, the, the marketing. On that level, this movie is the anti-Force Awakens because Abrams hit like every beat right. In Lucasfilm making the trailers for The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And they hit nothing right, except arguably they gave away too much when they released that footage like about two weeks or a week and a half ago when they showed basically Kylo going to Exegol. Right. That, that's the only thing that really, the most intriguing thing they showed. In the, but it's just, it's just interesting because when I watched The Force Awakens the other day, I wanted to really see how this would bookend with. Now that I saw Rise of Skywalker, and I knew it, would, I knew it was going to be natural. You knew it wasn't going to bookend with with the Last Jedi at all. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's an absolute course correction, and whether he absolutely personally despises Ryan Johnson or not, and depending on what you read, that might very well be the case. He clearly, <laughs> from a creative perspective, didn't agree with pretty much anything Ryan Johnson did, and did his best in many instances, not just to 
distance himself from it, but kind of flipped the bird at the same time as much as he but, could. But you know what? Like looking back at it, doesn't it seem like Ryan Johnson did the same thing? Oh, of course he did. Like, like you kind of like you, Ryan Johnson. Hey, did you like the Force Awakens? Like, no, I fucking didn't. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He's like, okay. no, I really didn't because it, like everything he did about that movie contradicts or goes or kind of like gives the finger. It's like this is the Hollywood director's version of a rap beef. <laughs> <laughs> and and the worst and the worst part is by all accounts at the very least. Abrams did have notes. He did have outlines for where this thing was going. And Ryan Johnson saw the outline and literally threw it over, like the lightsaber, threw it over his shoulder and didn't mm-hmm. care. And it's like, you're doing the second part of a trilogy. This isn't your own movie. It's not your own trilogy. This isn't part one. How can you do that? But ultimately, again, it falls on Kathleen Kennedy because she, does. she could have stopped him. And Lord knows yep. she's. Lord knows she got in the way of other people like Colin Trevorrow, who said, "Please give me Luke and Snoke." No. Please give me Luke and Snoke. No. Then I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, but it's it just boggles the mind. It's like yes. So when you say this movie seems like multiple, yeah, basically, basically the first hour of this movie is is J.J. Abrams basically giving you an abridged version of probably what he would have done in Episode Eight if he had done it, and then going into Episode Nine. <laughs> And considering, yeah, is is it messy? Is it sloppy? Are there things that, yes. I mean, do we have friggin' MacGuffins up the wazoo and not even a full explanation for, I mean, they jump all, and and I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about this. But the reality is, considering, and this is not the, this is not a, a, a get out of jail free card to say, but it's also true. Shakespeare couldn't have ended this thing well. Considering what he was given to after episode eight, it was going to be impossible to make this either coherent or satisfy everyone because episode eight completely blew apart what you're supposed to do in the middle part of a trilogy. It makes no mm-hmm. sense. You left nowhere. To, you'd have no clear direction to go. All the breadcrumbs that were, that were that began in episode seven that were supposed to be picked up on episode eight and logically most of them concluded in episode nine. He just set fire to all of them. Didn't care. Set, let's set, let's set a Star Wars movie that basically is the that besides visually being this, being as exciting as the OJ White Bronco chase in space, have it all take a Star Wars movie. Take I mean this movie isn't much better to be fair because it takes place like in a 16 hour period, but at least there was a, like a year gap between movies. This takes place like within like 24 hours of Force Awakens, and takes place like within like a day or so. <laughs> it's like it's like oh. I watched The Last Jedi a few times in the last couple of weeks, and while I don't hate any Star Wars movie, it's still my least favorite. <laughs> For a while, I didn't think anything could, could top The Phantom Menace as far as making it to the bottom, but at least The Phantom Menace was part one. Mm-hmm. And while there were creative things that I would not have done if I was George Lucas, he it's not like he also did show, show some ability to course correct from that, like the pacing. The pacing of Phantom Menace was horrible. Slow. Mm-hmm. And I was going back to – and I was thinking about this while I was watching Revenge of the Sith. It's like everything that happens in Revenge of the Sith up until Obi-Wan gets to Utapau, that all happens in the first 54 minutes of the movie. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff that happened in the first and, – and we and, – and, and then like I think by like the hour and a half mark, I think then you in the, in the next half hour, you get everything from Anakin finding out about Palpatine and Gre- all the stuff with Grievous and Order 60s. So – and, and Attack of the Clones is similar in the sense that I think Obi-Wan gets the Geonosis and there's like an hour left to go in the movie. And a lot has happened. You've had the whole mm-hmm. Camino thing, all the attempts on, a, on Padme's life. 
So he definitely picked. He Lucas had definitely adjusted. He, you know, he adjusted a little bit or recognized some things that maybe didn't really work. Uh, but I think that the, the uh, Last Jedi was just it was just, it was like it's like I'm going to subvert all expectations so much because you know because I'm going to give people the Star Wars movies they don't want to see because I think it's clever. It's yeah. like having that one alien pilot supposedly be the one that mumbled or said, uh, "I have a bad feeling about this," and not even give us ca- give us captions. So there's no way we know that he's saying it, but Ryan Johnson can giggle to himself like, "Oh, it's in there." <laughs> it's like, or wasn't it? I think it's BB-8 says it like like whisper like says it in like the droid speak at the very. Say beginning. it too, but I thought supposedly one of the pilots on in the beginning of the movie, one of the alien pilots says it too. Oh. But either way, I mean, the point is we don't know because it doesn't get translated. <laughs> Uh, did, how did you how did you feel about the Palpatine being alive just given out in the crawl? Because that kind of bothered me. That should have been an event you think would have had a little more resonance, even though they killed off most of the characters. It would have resonance too. Well, yeah, actually, I mean, like uh, my wife, she's like, okay, Palpatine is back. That probably should have been the very end of Episode Seven. <laughs> she's like, that that should have been a big reveal, like that we find out like earlier or something like that. Like this is too late. Um, I I mean. I understand why, like JJ, like couldn't couldn't wait any longer. He just had to like hit the ground running. And at first, like I, I thought it was going to bother me. Like again, I was like, I hate this. But the very end of the crawl, when it said, because I was expecting, I was like, okay, Palpatine is back. Kylo Ren is going to have a new master, even though he killed Snoke and he asserted himself as leader. I'm like, you're just going to undo all of that. But when the crawl said that Kylo Ren is looking for Palpatine to kill him to make sure that he's not a threat to his power, I was like. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't expect that. I was like, so I was like, okay, that's a, that's an interesting take. Now, once he gets there, Palpatine's like, you know, you kill this girl, I'll give you this fleet. You'll have all this power. Obviously, they're both bad guys, so planning to betray each other because that's what they do. But I'm like, all right, all right. So I was kind of, I was okay with the way that they revealed that so early on. Um, I, I also just like I was. It, they sort of sucked me in and seduced me because I just I absolutely loved the look of Exegol and that temple and that planet and everything. Like it really, the look of that and how it like sort of like defied, like hovered over the ground. And everything. I I need to go back and watch some of the episodes of Clone Wars because that or not Clone Wars uh, Rebels because that reminded me of some of like the Sith temples that we see in like. That season two or something like that, like especially at the end when when Vader shows up and fights Ahsoka. Um, yeah, I, I just I, like the look of that whole temple and everything, and like the giant statues. I was, I, I think I was like, I don't like that Palpatine's back, but this looks really cool. So I think just like the visual spectacle of it kind of seduced me. I didn't. Yeah, obviously we knew Palpatine was back. I didn't mind. I thought it. Yeah, it. You would. I don't know. You would think you at least could have heard the message, and obviously, like like I was telling Ryan, it's like it's out there like in Fortnite, so you could find the clip <laughs> that he said, which is kind of cool because I, I kind of respect the fact that at this point he figures, you know what, it's like a, I might as well declare I'm a Sith now instead of playing the game. It's like it's <laughs> yeah. like he's he's no, it's like he gives zero, you know what's anymore. It's like everybody. It's, but after all this time, I'm sure Luke Luke told everybody I was a Sith, so I'm just not gonna. <laughs> I'm not going to play games because, of course, back in the day, very few people knew that Palpatine was a Sith. Vader, yes, but Palpatine, no. <laughs> he outed himself on Instagram. Yeah, probably, probably got cut. Yeah. So, but I, I thought at the very least, maybe like they could have had like when Kylo was in his ship that that, that have the have the you know the the, the broadcast be playing or something mm-hmm. or somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
I also thought related to the beginning, but also, but it also threw me off in the beginning because I for, I didn't realize that's the scene we were going to get. Which of course they didn't do a good job of making it clear. Hey, we're on Mustafar, people. <laughs> we're on Mustafar when Kylo Ren and the, and the and the troopers are are attacking. It's like they're on Mustafar, not the lava side, but they're on Mustafar. Oh yeah, I didn't even get that. Yes. Like when we first, started, I was like, oh, that's a kind of a volcano point. But yes. once they're like just in this like wooded area with trees, I, I didn't catch yes. that that was Mustafar. And if they had done that, it would have made more I mean just like with the this is where I'm going with this with the wayfinders it makes sense there were two wayfinders because hello there's two Sith <laughs> right and, right and he logically and this goes back to Luke being the rocket scientist too that he is that he's going towards Vader. he goes to Mustafar because he's trying to get to the remnants of Vader's castle and supposedly the people he's fighting are the you know the Vader cultists who are defending Vader's castle that he's trying to get Vader and he does he finds Vader's wayfinder which makes sense now, Luke, looking for his wayfinder of Palpatine, why would he not think of looking for his father's first? <laughs> Do you not think somewhere it'd be – I mean, that, it probably wouldn't be that hard to find out in the archives that Mustafar was the world that Vader claimed for his. And I don't know, if, if Anakin's really a Jedi spirit, could you friggin' speed dial him and ask him, you know, I'm kind of looking – where was your wayfinder? It's like, oh, this is where it is. That would – see, those are these little things that when you think about it, it's like – Okay, I don't quite. <laughs> well, uh, so so again, uh, going back to it, this is a movie that does not hold up under heavy or even casual scrutiny. <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty pretty much everything that you poke at this movie, it's just going to pop. So it's one of those things where you just kind of like, all right. I mean, like, like the more I started like thinking about the fact that Palpatine had a son. Like that rabbit hole, and I, like I was trying to put the timeline. I was like, "Wait a minute, Palpatine had sex with a lady after he became Monster Face Emperor in like Revenge of the Sith." Maybe based on the timelines, maybe not. But everything, I was like, "Okay, he had a kid." I was like, "But the kid doesn't like he never had plans for the kid and everything." So I was like, hey, "Are we to assume that his son doesn't have the for isn't force sensitive?" I was like, "What was dinner like at that table?" I was like. Well, son, how is your Sith training going? It's like, Dad, I don't want to be a Sith. I want to dance. Just just this crappy little family. I want to be a dentist. Uh, (laughs) Appropriate time of year for that. I don't. I think we're supposed to assume he wasn't force sensitive. I'm. I'm so. I think we're supposed to assume that uh, Darth Sidious shot blanks that time or whatever. Um, But then it's like, was that? I mean, if Palpatine had one kid, did he have more? Is there, is there like a whole legacy of these things around? Or like, if he didn't have, like, would he have tried to have them like execute? I don't know. It just that opens up a can of worms, and I'm sure the new expanded universe oh, is yes. going to go nuts with this. Just but. like the novel. Just like I'm seriously looking forward to reading the novelization of this one. Of this, <clears throat> this should be interesting because you know it's not just because this movie probably was. There's 8,000 things that were put in and taken out of the movie. I just think there's going to be some interesting – there's just naturally going to be some interesting explanations that, that did not make its way in, especially with the Palpatine stuff and conversations. I think I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I, they, they could definitely – I mean in the expanded universe, yes, it could definitely be like in, like an ego in Guardians 2. Like he mm-hmm. tried this multiple times and, and you know Ray was about the only one that really worked. Yeah, it took it took a second generation, but it was about the only one that really worked. But you're right. There's a lot of things. You know, the the way 
the Wayfinder's like, I mean, why the hell would Palpatine's Wayfinder be on the second Death Star? Does he like carry? Does he carry it with him like in a backpack or a fanny pack wherever he goes? <laughs> I mean, I find it hard to believe he had it put into the second because he was he was only planning on being on the second Death Star for a short period of time. So it's not like I believe that he had it built in there, like just like the idea of the Death Star still having enough power functioning where all that stuff was going to work. Or, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's like why. But then again, using that same warped logic then, why would – if Luke was going to look for Palpatine's Wayfinder without any clues, the two places you would think to look would probably be the wreckage of the Death Star and Coruscant. Those would be the two <laughs> – let's go to the Senate and let's go to his headquarters, his throne room in Coruscant. Those would be the two most logical places to look. But you're right. If you start, and there's lots, there's you know, there's lots of stuff to poke holes through. But I just think when you look at the way, but the most of our thing, because it, it, it zoned, I zoned out about it too, and then I, then I realized, then I mean, it looks like most of our when he's flying towards the planet, but because you don't see the lava, people are not going to put the two and two together. It's like that's awfully convenient how we found that. But if you know where he is, and you. <laughs> And you know why he's there? Then it makes a little. Then it makes a little more sense. And in a way, it shows Kylo. This was a really good Kylo Ren movie because I, for the first two movies, mm-hmm. the first two movies of this trilogy, I hated Kylo Ren. I saw nothing likable or redeeming or overly intimidating about Kylo Ren. He's like, he's like the worst parts of Anakin without the cool parts of Vader. <laughs> and it's like, it's just, oh, it's like no, and he, and and he, and, he, and he doesn't, and he doesn't have the extra oomph that Palpatine always. And thumbs up to Ian McDermott. He can step into that character at the drop of a hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. That it's just, yeah, it's it's just. Because even the way he approached this, the fact that, okay, going to Mustafar to look for this, once, if he's trying to find his way to Exegol, it's like, okay, this, this, that's, that's pretty clever. And let's say, let's move beyond how he even found out about the Wayfinders or, or anything, or, but let's just, that's probably doable. And you know, you probably could find, but either way, let's move beyond that. Actually, 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 I just, no, I just, I realized, but they could have had the connection even just within like the, the recent Disney movies and show the castle that was in Rogue One. Like, yeah, right. like have, a call back to that. You're, you're, have a callback to that. Have a callback to that. You're correct. Like, they probably wanted to save money on the lava. <laughs> <laughs> well, tinted red, but let's save no money on lava. Um, but yeah, so. I think, but that shows his growth because number one, that was a really clever decision. It's like that's instead of going for a needle in the haystack, where the hell would Palpatine's be? I'm going to go where my, where my grandfather's with. Where mm-hmm. it might be. Yes, it's still that that worship he has, but still, okay, it's logical. Even what he does with Palpatine is logic. It's it's like he's not all got to bend the knee. It's like no, he's really clever. It's like it's a it's like he he has a game plan the entire. Time. I mean, I mean, Palpatine. I mean, Palpatine's the master of having Plan A and Plan B. You know, he's like, okay, if if he actually goes and he kills, he probably counted on the fact that Kylo was never going to kill Ray to begin with. But if he did kill Ray, okay, then he's got. The, then he then he's then he can, if he wants to, he can do what he said to Kylo. And if he wants to do that, you know, this the the ritual to do the Sith transfer, where which was still it's another thing that was a little confusing. It's like. Is it just tra- is that just what you tr- when you're transferring all the essences of the Sith into into whoever you're doing it, but they're still controlling it, or is it going to be where Palpatine is still going to basically be controlling Rey and and the fact that he was trying to, you know, that whole thing, uh, you can stop the fleet was all garbage because the minute he'd be in her, then it's like fuck them, I've been charged, <laughs> kill the fleet. Uh, see, that was a little vague to me, but I respect the fact that Palpatine's always quick on his feet to have Plan A and Plan B. But, but Kylo, you know, but Kylo was like, okay, I don't want to kill her. 
I, I, you know, because of our little force power dyad connection there, I want her to join me in the typical, it's, you know, yes, it's typical Sith-like, like, because he's not a Sith. The idea, okay, well, our power combined, we can kill Palpatine. Yeah, that was always a stretch, because you don't know what you're dealing with. But the concept is clever. Everybody always thinks two against one means the two is going to win. But if he had to kill Rey, then, you know, if he had no choice, but he was... But he was real quick by his actions, let alone when she made the kind of was digging at him like a serving a new master. And it's like, no, no, I have plans. I have other plans. Right. And I just thought he was more he was more balanced. He wasn't as overly you know overly emotional. Where at the drop, at the drop of a hat, where he was going to punch a hole in the wall over everything. I mm-hmm. thought he's the way he approached things. I just I thought, and he actually got he he actually did get the better of her finally in a lightsaber duel ever so briefly. <laughs> Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, so I think, and I did like the, I did, I did like how it showed that their connection could unbalance her too. Part not just, and not just because of being, not just because of being interrupted, like the way she was doing well during her training regimen until they kind of had that connection. So he, she knows basically he's looking in in a way, and from that point on, she's like, she's horrible. She's like she's like Luke on Bespin when Vader starts shooting everything at him and he just gets and he gets pounded into oblivion. She's getting shot by mm-hmm. the by the you know by the droid and I and I did like and I'm hopping and skipping. I have my notes. I shouldn't hop and skip. But Kylo, but dealing with Kylo was next on my next on my list in order. So I I liked I do think they did a good job with him in this movie. I agree. I liked him a lot, and I—I I mean, I actually—I—I I have liked Kylo in all of the movies for different reasons. Um, I liked—I liked the fact that he wasn't as cool and cool-tempered as Vader. That he was extremely volatile and kind of whiny, and like he was because he was just—he was a—he was a villain cut from a different cloth. And I, I kind of liked to see his growth. But yeah, I really, really liked him in this one. And and getting back, like at the beginning, I did kind of like after seeing it the first time, I was like, wait, did did the Emperor just retcon his own plan halfway through this? Like moving, like he wanted her dead, and then he's like, "I've been waiting for you." It's like, ah, did you just? I was like, did they forget what the beginning of the story was? But then I was kind of like, you know, I can no prize this because the emperor has always been about, you know, in terms of his lackeys, in terms of his underlings, it's survival of the fittest. He he had he was happy with Dooku until he realized that Anakin was more powerful, and when Anakin could kill Dooku, then it's Anakin. And he challenged Luke to take on his father, knowing that whoever wins is going to be the more powerful Jedi. And the more powerful student, so I'm. Um, that's kind of like this. I think it was the same way. Is he was sicking Kylo Ren on Rey, and if Rey ended up winning, which she did, then he was like, "Well, then Rey deserves to be the, the student," you know. So, and if and if Kylo Ren did end up killing her off, then he was like, "Well, she never, she wasn't, she wasn't the strong enough, you know, body for me to possess anyway." So, right, and that is, know. and that is, that is consistent. That is that, like you, right. that is a consistent part. Palpatine's, you know, Palpatine always has a plan A and a plan B, and he's and he's and he's flexible. It's it's if Duke, if Anakin had failed, if Anakin had failed and not beaten Dooku in the beginning of Episode Three, especially if Dooku mm-hmm. ended up killing him, clearly that he would have no choice. But even if he didn't kill him, but he got his ass kicked again by him, then there was a part of Palpatine that was ready to move on and say, okay, then maybe this guy's not going to be as strong as I thought he was going to be, and now it's time to move on to, to my next potential, my next apprentice pro- uh, prodigy. Since Kit Fisto. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, not because of Fisto, but because of the fact that, especially if you, I think it was in, I think it was in the novelization for Sith, that, but in, in one of the books, it was 
Because Dooku naturally had an affinity towards Obi-Wan because of the Qui-Gon connection. Mm-hmm. So he just kept pushing, are you sure you don't want to go for Obi-Wan instead of Anakin? And now part of it was may have been because Palpatine knew that there was no way that Obi-Wan's ever going to turn to the dark side. <laughs> that he's just too – that he's too much of a straight hour straight – Arrow and prototypical ideal Jedi to everyone consider that, but he but he also sensed Anakin's raw power. But Dooku kept pushing that. Dooku never quite gave up on that possibility. Just like when Dooku was offering that thing to Obi Wan in, in Attack of the Clones, he was being legitimately honest. It's like if if he had jo- if Obi Wan had been willing to join him at the time, that would have been Dooku's you know that would have been Dooku's plan to you know his attempt to better deal. Palpatine, you know, with the Master and Apprentice thing. So I, I think, it, and we know with the with the Sith thing, that's always, you know, that that's the nature. But Palpatine's really good at it. <laughs> it's like a, it's like yeah, it's like I want Luke to replace Vader because he's younger and he's stronger and he has all those friggin' limbs. Well, almost <laughs> all but one, um, which is better than what he got Anakin with. It's like he's got nothing left. <laughs> it's like there's no lightning for you. But then when but then when Luke wasn't gonna turn, it's like okay, kill him and then uh, I'll I'll deal with uh, Mr. Torso Lightbright for a few more years until something else comes along. So I, I think yeah, I think I think for some people again pe- who are not as wrapped up in the total lore, that might seem a little out of place. But if you know Palpatine, you know that that I, that like a lot of things in the movie, it does fit because they they kind of they do kind of do callbacks that work. You know, they, there's mm-hmm. a lot of callbacks in this in this in this movie that works. Um, I'm trying to go in. I thought so. We mentioned the lightsaber duels. Obviously, the the, the again making up for lost lost time because we didn't have any real lightsaber duels in Episode Eight, which is which is a cardinal sin. <laughs> a proper. Episode. But you only, but, well, you say not an actual duel, but. Honestly, I mean, the scene in Stokes' throne room when Kylo and Rey are fighting together against the Praetorian Guard is one of my favorite action scenes in any Star Wars movie. It is a cool scene. I mean, you, I, could, I you could say it's not a you could say it's not a duel per se, but in terms of just a lightsaber fight, I love that scene. I love how it's staged. I love the setting, the choreography. I love that moment. That's one of my favorites. That is not. It is a. It was. It is a cool action scene, and especially the way it just you know just. You know, just happens immediately after you know, <laughs> snow gets cut in half. It's like, oops. Uh, just every, yeah, that 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 was that was really put together well. But then obviously we have multiple fights with Ray and and Kylo in, on different levels, and it's better. I mean, Ray is still pretty horrible with a lightsaber. She really, mm-hmm. I, and I can, I don't know if they're trying to if they if they chose to give her a raw style to try to be more like Palpatine, because some people have said that if you go back and you look at the way she fought in Episode Seven. Which I think is a stretch because I don't believe AJ, JJ had all this planned. I don't. I I believe I believe him when he says Palpatine was always going to have a presence in Episode Nine, but whether he was still going to be alive. And actually, there's something I wrote, I, I watched today that if we get to, I want to mention about what supposedly what Matt Smith was supposed to really be in this when when he was cast in this movie. Uh, but I think, uh, but I. But Ray was better. They balanced it out with a lot of the acrobatics, which was cool. They certainly made her acrobatic mm-hmm. enough, and I think her and her lightsaber technique was a little better. I think it was better, but she's still pretty damn raw. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought, but I, but I did enjoy them fighting. I, it kind of disappointed me that, Pal, that Palpatine never got once he got rejuvenated. There was no lightsaber dueling with Palpatine. I know it follows again. It follows the event, the uh, Return of the Jedi mode, but I don't know. I just. 
Just like I guess, as somebody said, which is kind of funny, I guess when you're using force lightning, it's like ping. Once you start, you can't stop till it's over. <laughs> you can't stop. You can't stop once you started. It's like, yeah. stop it. You're killing yourself. Just stop shooting the lightning. <laughs> and there's no excuse. Like at least remember, in Revenge of the Sith, you know he was essentially doing that. He was kind of doing that on purpose so he would look so helpless and weak and try to get get Anakin to come over to his side quicker. As you can justified it and this he's not he's being he's being torn apart the first time that should have happened stop shooting the lightning <laughs> it's not like you couldn't just force push her somewhere um see those are the things it's like you're right holding up through scrutiny <laughs> speaking of go but, ahead no you said no go ahead well no i mean i was i mean we're, we're getting to the end but that's that's fine um yes yeah i i didn't i didn't bother that because i i, I mean it's it's the kind of the result of seeing Return of the Jedi first, but I never liked seeing Palpatine with the lightsaber because to me he always seemed like he was so powerful he didn't need it. Like, Yoda. like, like that's Yoda. just that's just a tool. Yeah, like Yoda. It was like they're they're at this point where it's like, who? Why are they fighting with a lightsaber when they can like shoot lightning and fire out of it? So the thing that kind of bothered me, I, I liked a lot about the ending confrontation in the in the temple, except when Ray basically, she's like, I'm going to beat you with the power of two lightsabers <laughs> and, and form like this X mark that basically just like shoots it back at him and I was like, again, not the movie that I would have made, like it, it was fine as is but like I, I would have rather seen something basically like a light side force user opposite of that where basically she's not relying on lightsabers she's using the force to create a, a force field or a wall or some other kind of energy about her basically that redirects the, the energy back at palpatine or something and it's not just well nobody ever thought of blocking with two lightsabers if before do just had that check. second saber this never would exactly. happen <laughs> exactly oh uh, yeah i and then with yeah the ending, I do want to spend some time on the ending. So, but uh, what what did what did you think of three PO's quote unquote sacrifice, which turned out to really be nothing? <laughs> so, like, I I remember seeing the scene in the t or in the trailer when it like everything goes quiet. He's like, I'm I'm look, taking one last look at my friends, and I'm like, yeah, that would probably mean a lot more if you were looking at Han, Luke, yes. and Leia, dude. <laughs> 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 I was like, how, how you've spent like what ten minutes of screen time with these characters at best? I was like, I don't think. So I was kind of I, like I dismissed it, but once I actually saw it within the context of the movie, I was like, he is going to he's going to have to be mind wiped. Give him this information. I was like, for a character like three PL who has been there since the beginning, I was like, this is actually a big sacrifice, and I'm having this emotional reaction to what to the plight of freaking C three PL. I was like, this is really kind of cool, and I like the way they did that. And of course, it also led to one of my favorite little exchanges again from three PO when once he wakes up, when Babu Frick like introduces himself to it, and then later on that name is mentioned. It's like Babu Frick. He's like Babu Frick. That's my that's my oldest friend. <laughs> like I love that whole moment. And then when R two just like gives him his memory back, just like redownloads like the archive memory. I was like, well, that sucks. You just undid that whole sacrifice. I was like, that, that feels kind of weak and cowardly. I was like, if you were gonna do it, have the you know the guts to stick with it. Um, which they kind of did with Chewie too. Now, when when they looked like Chewie was killed, for one thing, 
I mean, there's a lot going on with that. Once Palpatine is like, you, is like, you don't know who she really is. I'm like, uh, okay, I'm thinking they they might be revealing that she's a Palpatine. Like that might be the secret of her lineage, the fact that Palpatine knows. And then once she's fighting Kylo in the desert for control of the ship, once the lightning shot out of her her fingers, I was like, ah, yeah, she's Palpatine's granddaughter. She's she's from his line or something like that. And I was like, wow, they killed they killed you. I was like, that was, that was pretty ballsy. Now I was also like. They they have to undo that somehow. I was like, they can't make Ray the one who killed Chewie. I was like, they could kill him. I was like, killing him off screen like that, pretty weak. I was like, I was like, that would be a pretty weak death for a character as beloved as Chewbacca. And I was like, and they just can't make Ray the one responsible. But I was kind of like, I mean, I was intrigued. I was like, you know, it's the last movie. You go, you know, I mean, you're killing off all the other heroes. Like maybe Chewbacca is going to die in this one. Um, so I would I would have been open to a revelation like that. I just didn't like like as soon as they showed, I was like, well, she. I was like, he's not dead. She didn't kill him. But. Yeah, they 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 should have let they should have made us believe he was dead a little bit longer than like literally five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, yes, if you do pay attention, you do see there's more than one transport. So that's not yeah. so that's not a total. Oh, we screwed you over. It's like a, no, they, it they they're playing games with you, but it's not like they didn't set it up. So, mm-hmm. so it you, that that uh, that you know you that you clap for that one. That was done nicely. I did like the battle with the force trying to much, <laughs> and you knew it was going to end poorly because the last time we saw that friggin' Luke Anakin saber got ripped in half. <laughs> so you knew it wasn't <laughs> yes. going to end well. <laughs> Which again, I was like, you, I was like. Luke's, Luke's lightsaber was ripped in half in the last movie, and it's back together in this one. I was like, and the only reason they did that was because they've got all of this footage of Leia handling that lightsaber. I was like, look, that's the only reason you put that lightsaber back together. You're just ignoring what happened at the end of the last movie. You should have had some duct tape on it or something. I, I think that, yeah, we're just supposed to, they, I, I forget. You know what the saddest part is? At, at Galaxy's Edge, they're selling a version of that saber already. The repaired oh. saber, or the repaired Ray saber. It's not even Ray saber for God's sake. It's Anakin saber or Luke saber. It's not Ray saber. Ray doesn't get a saber of her own until the last damn scene in the movie, which is on, which is it's annoying. Like, oh, now she can build a saber. It's like, yeah, it's like she couldn't build it before. She's got other. She got the friggin', she got the entire Encyclopedia Britannica, Britannica Jedi <laughs> to just browse through. And she, but then the, but I digest. <laughs> But I, the light, the lightning was cool. Uh, one of the things I really liked about this was I liked Ray struggling with the dark side. I liked that because you go back and you'll watch The Force Awakens, and she was prone to anger even in that movie. She she was mm-hmm. tapping into the dark side even even then, just not as blatantly. But she she was doing it, and she she did she is kind of prone, you know. She and but she's kind of part of the reason why you can say Luke picked up on that vibe off of her on Octu that. But I liked, and I like the fact that they have he, that bookends her and Kylo. That they're both dealing with, you know, they have this dark influence. Even though the difference is, uh, Kylo knows all about it, and he kind of wants to embrace it. But yet, there's too much. But in this case, there's too much of his mother and his father in him that keeps pulling him away from that. But but he is conflicted. But there's that dark legacy that he feels that he has to live up to. And with Ray, she doesn't know anything about her legacy. But yet there's something about her that keeps pulling her towards the dark. And so I did like the fact that part of the makes their connection, I think, even stronger. The fact that they both are going through not the same, similar but not the same. Their struggles. Uh, so I thought that I thought that was cool. Yeah, you mentioned Chewie's death. I 
yeah, they definitely should have played that out. And the same thing with 3PO. I, I was all for 3PO sacrificing. And let's be honest, it created a few funny moments that once he was brought back online and sort of introducing himself, that's going to be a problem. Because <laughs> 3PO is always a problem because he's annoying. Or, or like, this is madness, like his first line that he ever said. Like, he says that really. But yes, but but they but they unfortunately foreshadow that right off the bat when they when they ma- they mention that R two keeps a backup of his memory. It's like oh that's mm-hmm. what they're gonna do. They're just gonna. It's like I'm about to go on my first mission with, Mist- with Mistress Ray. It's like what do you mean I already went? <laughs> it's like it's like oh oh damn. Uh, well let's talk about R two then since it's just segued into R two. I know your feelings on R two aren't as strong as mine, but talk about it talk. At least 3PO was given something of significance to do in this movie when he did nothing, really, in the first two of this trilogy. R2 has had very brief, shining moments to do anything, most of which was in the first movie, where he was comatose until he says, Hey, I have the rest of the map, which I got from the Death Star, and you have the piece. Let's put them together. Episode 8, he did absolutely nothing except except push Luke back <laughs> towards the right direction by playing the hologram. And this movie, they used him to down... down load a friggin' portable hard drive, which probably the Falcon could have done too. <laughs> and just to restore 3PO's memory. But like you and I- And then he was he was in Pose X yes. at the end, which I was like, why isn't BB eight there? And the reason why he probably wasn't there was because heaven for because you needed you needed a droid to do something on that Death Star on that destroyer, the Star Destroyer, and heaven forbid R two gets his moment to do something, we have to have BB eight do it. So let's take R two in the back and do nothing. At least have R two do something of consequence to help Poe when they're flying. No, you can't do that. I understand it doesn't have to be gospel that R two saves everybody all the time. I understand that, but we know. Like when we did our Mount Rushmore discussion, R two D two, at least in the first six movies, would is hard to take. He is up there because of the relevance yeah. and what he does and how iconic he is, and he saves everybody's ass all the time. And I mean, the first time we see him in Phantom Menace, look at all those astromech droids that are getting blasted left and right. But R two's out there doing his thing. He given zero. You know, once again, I'm doing it. I don't care. And it just, it's like, yes, they could have had BB-8 in the back of Poe's ship like he should have been. Wouldn't it have killed you to give R2 that one moment? It's not even like it was a big moment, really. It was just opening a freaking no. door. <laughs> and then the end, and then the end, like you and I have talked about, she's a take, she's going to take the leg, the, she's going to take the Skywalker name. She's going to Tatooine, which, mind you, only has ties to Anakin and Luke. No ties to Leo <laughs> whatsoever. But she's going back to Tatooine. Why is forget about the fact that BB-8 and and she and BB-8 have a relationship, and we don't have to assume BB-8 staying with her forever. The point is, R2 should have been there. R2 has ties to Tatooine. R2 is the Skywalker droid. If she's taking the Skywalker name and carrying on the Skywalker legacy, R2 kind of comes with the package, especially since everybody everybody's dead who would have claims to R2. Leia's gone. That's the natural person to take R2. But, of course, because they didn't bother to establish any relationship between the character, even though R2 technically was on – he was with he was with Ray when they went to go see Luke. And so, yeah, yeah. But that, 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 that bothered me. It's like, come on, it's R2. That would be – that'd be more fitting. And so I, I – I, and while they gave – you know, Chewie had a good trilogy overall. Chewie had a lot of cool moments. He, mm-hmm. he had – I think we talked – we may have talked about this when Episode 7 came out that, you know – 
Chewy, that was a really good Chewy movie. Like he didn't do all. I mean, he didn't do tons, but just the little things like, oh, well, wasn't he a war hero? And just like, just shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> I mean, it's just so, <laughs> it's just so difficult. Oh, it's all, oh, that sounds really scary. You must be very brave. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no. It's a, it's. In this movie, I mean, this movie, he gets some moments too. Like you and I, we did talk about the fact that, and JJ showing ability to be flexible too. The fact that one of the things he took a lot of heat from and he acknowledged that he did wrong was the, at least framing the shot this way was when Le, when Leia and Ray first really meet after Han's dead, having Han. I mean, Leia and Ray hug. Mourning Han's death and Chewie still in the scene, but Chewie not over there hugging Leia, the two people closest to him, and they're not, and somehow Ray's just kind of like barging in. Right. And he, he course corrected that by having, when they find out that Leia is dead, have Chewie be the mourner in chief and Mm -hmm. Chewie be completely inconsolable. Uh, which is, yeah, which I liked. That, that's the scene. That's the scene both times so far when I've watched the movie that I teared up. I teared up mm. at the same point, and when I watched it, when I watched it the second time, it's like because you realize you know all all these people that Chewie's been close to for so long, and that they're all that they're pretty much all get, uh, dead. We know Lando's still alive, but Lando's kind of you know he made a you know a cameo and now he's gone until he comes back. <laughs> but at the t- but obviously he hasn't been interacting with Lando a lot regularly, and depending also how long he and Han were you know. Went back on the road, but everybody, you know, during that whole time, that important time on the rebellion and everything else, everybody that Chewie was close to is now gone. Luke, Han, Leia—they're all. So that's yeah, and, and just and that just shows that unique, that nice close bond that they had, especially from a lot of sense changed since the old "get this walking carpet out of my way" <laughs> days. So, but I'm I'm glad, and I'm glad Chewie got his medal. Han's medal, but still, he got the medal, and it makes and it may, I like that it was Maz who gave it to him because obviously Maz has the hots for him. <laughs> it seemed even more appropriate. Uh, that's a that's a study in diminishing returns for me. I really liked Maz Kanata in for in in The Force Awakens and all of her subsequent. Uh, like I didn't like how she showed up in that hologram, that weird moment in yeah. the Last Jedi, which. For, for one thing, I thought it looked weird. I was like, "Why is this scene in this movie?" And and it led to the subplot with them going to Candlebite, which I hated. So I just I didn't I wasn't happy with it. And in this one, it felt like she's just there to basically explain the footage, to basically explain what's going on with Leia that they have to explain through exposition instead of dialogue because Carrie Fisher was gone. Like essentially, she's there to explain why right. Leia is dying. <laughs> and she was an un- and, sh- and she was definitely underused in the last two movies. Uh, there really was no excuse. But I also, yeah, I, I don't think she needed to be in either of these movies. I don't think she had a place. I thought she had a great little part in in The Force Awakens, but it, like, why? Like, yeah, I felt like it could have been just that. It could have been just a one movie appearance. But she could have been an ape because we know. That, I mean, Ryan Johnson gives you a reason why she could have been an ape because she could have done and wiped out that entire Canto Bite subplot. But he wanted that Canto bites a lot. She could have. She could have done that. Um, I'm actually just glad she was in it because I actually I, I was thinking about this like a week before the movie came out. It was like I haven't heard Jack about whether Lupita Nyong'o is in this movie. It's like I really hope she's in it at least a little bit because. But I haven't heard anything about. And I didn't. And I probably have. And I guess I could have IMDb'd it, but that does not. But sometimes those things are wrong. Probably wouldn't have been off of IMDb. But I was glad. I was, once when she, when when she first showed up in the movie, I was I was I was pleasantly 
I was pleasantly surprised, even though just because I, it is a character. I mean, let's. It's a character that was introduced in the first in the first of Abrams movies, so I'm glad that at least she was there at the end. And she served, and obviously she served. Let's be blunt, she served a more relevant purpose than than Rose did in the last two movies. I I mean I like Kelly Marine Tran, and I don't have anything against Rose as a character, but she didn't she didn't serve a huge purpose. Certainly in this movie, she served no purpose, which might have been another not so subtle f you to Ryan Johnson, uh, because we kind of felt that way. Because <laughs> Lord knows, Lord knows there was there was there were. A, a bunch of them. Even though the one thing I do like with a, the one that was not a complete fu, which worked really well, was when Abrams had Kylo explaining the nobody line to Ray, when he said, "I didn't lie to you," and 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 kind of did the from a certain point of view explanation of, of why he said mm-hmm. what he said, um, and also based on his understanding at the time, you know, based on his- and then, <clears throat> yeah, and then the other thing that that he did. Pick up from that was established in the Force Awakens was the the connection between yes. Rey and and Kylo, and how like even very subtly in in the Last Jedi, when Kylo felt like the seawater yes. on his skin after that their connection broke, and I was like, and I was kind of like that was a weird moment, and the fact that they picked that up again and ran with it this time, and how they could tr- actually transfer things like the necklace or the broken helmet and everything, and eventually they they planted it, they reminded you of it, and then they paid it off in full at the lightsaber in the moment, and I saw that coming. I was like, uh, she's going to give them the lightsaber if they're going to use that gate, and I was like, I like where this is going. I thought that was used really, really well. Yes, one of the double reasons why Luke's Luke with the... Uh Take both, you take both sabers, taxi go. Trust me, <laughs> trust <Yeah>. me. <laughs> but, and I look once he gets the lightsaber and he's just standing there, and all the knights are running surrounding him. Just his little shrug, yeah. like, let's do this, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Which is interesting because I think whether it's according to the visual dictionary or or some some other supplemental material that one of the knights of Ren did supposedly have a red lightsaber, but I think they didn't want to confuse people by all of a sudden having one pull out a red lightsaber. So that's why. That's why it pretty much was a slaughter once he once Kylo got once Kylo was for, forced given what the what the what the Anakin saber. Uh, I I do think that, but yeah, he I I do think the the appropriate things you know, he, to diss. I think he did. I mean, having Luke like a Jedi weapon, you know, shouldn't yeah should be treated right. with more respect which a jedi weapon should be treated with more respect that 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 that's that's true the holdo maneuver line was funny <laughs> that was kind of funny uh we we need like a holdo maneuver it's like oh, that's like a one in a million thing <laughs> so i but it's clear and, and let's be honest even if a even if there was nothing personal between them and there probably is but let's say there wasn't it, it, it was just a pure a pure creative decision or just difference in opinion you can understand why Abrams would be unhappy. If, I mean, Johnson did literally flush almost all all the the building blocks of the, the whole trilogy down the toilet in Episode Eight, and then and that, so Abrams would have every right to be mad, even if he had no intention. And clearly, originally, he did have no intention of coming back. He was kind of, he was like the cavalry. Having, it's like you're about the only one who can make. But then- but, but I also think, I mean, yeah, he he could be pissed off about it, but I think then, like, a, a, an equal share of that anger should be directed at Kennedy oh, yeah. because oh, yes. she was the one who could have oh. – she, she allowed it. And, Absolutely, and, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it made and, – and the fact that – and the fact that, that the, 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 the balls on Ryan Johnson to ask J.J. to change – subtle change, but, like, change the ending of, of – uh, 
Force Awakens just because of the way he wanted to begin Episode Eight, which partially, of course, was that stupid over-the-shoulder garbage. But I believe ep- – see, this is interesting because I think this is another thing J.J. picked up on. That scene when we see Rey for the first time when she's levitating and all the, mm-hmm. and all the rocks are floating around her and like there's a big rock in, I think, in particular near her. I believe that was the way we were supposed to see Luke, that he was going to be meditating on Ock 2 with all, everything. But since number one, Ryan Johnson wanted to deforce him. But but he also but he probably sold it under the well I want to have that moment I want I want to have that moment with the lightsaber and whatever so that supposedly was a Ryan Johnson inspired change and JJ was kind of like okay so this is really not overly critical to the end of my movie yeah I'll do it and then it's like hey it's like you know I need some Colin Trevorrow I need some changes to Episode Nine it's really important up yours <laughs> no <laughs> do it. And realistically, I've, and this has bothered me for a long time. At the very least, even if you wanted to kill Luke in Episode Eight, which supposedly everybody in the Kathleen Kennedy, <laughs> the writers group <laughs> that are allied with Kathleen Kennedy's, they really wanted to kill Luke in Eight. That once Carrie Fisher died, you should have pushed the movie back six months and reworked the ending so Luke would be alive, because you at least had the character to use in the final part. When you know you don't have Leia to use really anymore. I don't, you may have wanted to kill Luke off, okay, but I just imagine how nicely that would have worked just as a – potentially how that would have worked if you had Palpatine and Palpatine alive with Luke still being alive even for a little bit. Uh, maybe you could have had Luke make a nice sacrifice, but heaven forbid anybody comes out looking good but Ray. <laughs> but I – But I, I mean I, I don't know if I agree with that because, again, I think part of the – problem with this trilogy again this, this trilogy has had a number of problems but i think part of it was in one sense i felt they they were too beholden to the original cast and never let them get out of the way for the new characters because in the force awakens it was very much a han movie it's han at the end of his life and the end of his story and then we jump to the next chapter and the last jedi was luke's story and luke's movie and everything it's like that and like one of the reasons why i liked this one and why i think this is my favorite of those three is because finally for the first time it felt like Ray and Finn were in the driver's seat of their own kind of adventures and and they weren't we weren't so wrapped up in the concluding adventures of these heroes who got their conclusion true. 40 years ago. That's true. Though this movie would have been almost undoubtedly would have been Leia's movie if Carrie Fisher had lived. Yeah, and that's no, how they were setting it up. They clearly were setting yeah, it they, up to be Han, that, Luke yeah. and Leia. But that's the only reason why the only reason I say that is just based on what you had left. You could have done more with Luke no matter when he died. I mean he could have sold pull a Yoda and died early in the movie. He could have. But I – and I know what you're saying because a lot of people have said this trilogy would have been better served if you had just concentrated and made episode seven mostly about the, the old characters and introducing the new characters. And then by the time you get to eight, you've essentially passed the baton and you're doing more and more. All with the new characters and the, and, and who's ever left of the old, they're either all gone or they're or they're being completely get, getting kind of like pushed pushed out. But I think part of the problem people will always have is because you had an opportunity to have Luke, Leia, and Han together, and you and you purposely scripted in Episode Seven that they would never all have a scene together. Right. And I think that's a problem. I think that's going to be one of those things. I think people are. It's going to be hard to. That's one of those Abrams things, but it, it kind of is hard to forgive, even if you were going to do some kind of fa- flashback scene. Or even if yeah. you didn't know where it was going to be, you should have done something because that's what people would people would have liked that, and I think that's what people wanted. That, that, I think that was part of the issue because they changed they they, they kind of 
looking at this trilogy, the, the option that they went with by basically crapping so much on the ending that we got from Return of the Jedi, almost negating so much of what we thought we gained from Return of the Jedi, it's, that it's kind of you know it kind of like ruined it kind of like ruined for a lot of people. It ruined the future that we thought they were going to have. Besides the, then the immediate happy ending. And obviously, for a lot of people, it also ruined the the, the expanded universe stuff, all the ups and the downs, and, and all this rich mythology that was established. You know that you know whether you love Luke, you don't, lo- you hate Luke, or he's somewhere in between for you. It's like he proved himself to be something. In this trilogy, it's like Luke didn't do much of any. I mean, there's nothing to believe Luke, Luke did much of anything. Which again, I'm not a huge. I don't love Luke, so I'm okay with it because let's be honest. There's no reason to think Luke was ever going to be a great Jedi Master because he was he was a shaky Jedi at best. <laughs> now, now we respect it more because we see because of the prequels. I've said this before. I think Luke is one of the characters that comes out looking stronger once you see the prequels because you realize that he had such a really small abridged version of Jedi training. And yet he still was able to make all the right choices, and Anakin made all the wrong choices. Though, yes, Anakin started his training late too, but still 10 years earlier than Luke. But- and that, I mean, that that was another thing that uh, – one of the questions that Ryan Johnson brought up in The Last Jedi that I was at least intrigued by was Luke's position that the Jedi are failures. Look at their legacy. They've screwed up everything, and, and it's time for them to end. And one of my favorite parts in The Last Jedi is – I like when he's telling Ray when he's first when he first kind of has her reach out and touch the Force when he says that power does not belong to the Jedi to say if the if the Jedi die the light dies too that's vanity and I really kind of like this idea that they might be building towards a different concept especially with the ninth and final movie I was like maybe they're gonna end the Jedi. And Ray is going to become something else called a Skywalker, and that's what the name right, is going to refer to. And it's going to be a new sort of grayish version of, of understanding of the Force. And then this one, J.J. was like, no, screw that. The Jedi are awesome. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, they, you thought they could have done like a great, yeah, like that great Jedi concept to do something somewhere merging where you understand that to really bring balance, it's like you can't – both sides have to exist. The key is that they have to coexist and not and not one side always try to dominate and, and, and take out the other. That you understand there's positives, there's positives to both, there's negatives to both. That they they could have. I mean, and who knows? Maybe you know the Palpatine thing. Depending on where that you know where that came from and how how much influence Palpatine was always or role he was always supposed to play. If he really was, if JJ in JJ's original treatments. It, you know, it's 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 hard to know. Obviously, another f you to Ryan Johnson was the fact that Luke that anytime Luke wanted to, he could have raised his X wing out of the water, <laughs> which was a nice dag of a throwback. You know, which I like. But it's another thing that you know. What it's like Ryan Johnson kind of shows you that it's like, well, Luke crashed that on purpose so he could never leave. He's like, well, guess what? If I really wanted to leave, I could have left. <laughs> uh, and, and speaking of, how did Ray never notice the wayfinders in, inside the Tie Fighter when she's flying? I mean, is it like in a glove compartment somewhere? <laughs> I mean, it seemed to be pretty well open where it's connected. I know. I mean, I know she's freaked out because she she kills Kylo almost or on the verge of killing Kylo, and she's you know in all the rage and the dark side and seeing her, you know the what she could be and all. I understand she's upset, but all the way to Octo, she didn't notice that wayfinder. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. That, again, again, don't don't. Yeah, let's not, let's not, dig, let's not dig too deep. So, what did you speaking of? Getting, tying that in, what did you think about the Han Solo 
Cammy. I actually I I like that. It was something that I thought, and I don't know if I heard a rumor of that or there were, that was leaked or something like that. But I think I was I, I had heard at some point that Harrison Ford might have come back to film something, and I kind of had a sense. I was like, you know what? I, and I was pretty sure that Luke. I was like, I have a feeling we're gonna. I see all three of them, Luke, Khan, and Leia, in this movie, and and that was something that I kind of want to see. So once he shows up, and I liked how that moment played out. I was, I, I mean, honestly, I liked the the scene between Han and Ben more than the scene between Luke and Ray. I, I, um, yeah, I did too. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Actually, jumping back further, something that you, you mentioned that kind of reminded me. I, I, there was um, a little trivia thing in the classic trilogy. There were nine characters that appeared in all three of those movies. Um, it was Luke, Han, Leia, obviously, Chewie, R2-D2, C-3PO, Obi-Wan, Darth Vader, and the ninth one was Wedge. I was like, yes. all nine of them are back in this one that is- <laughs> in some way or another. Yeah, Vader ever so shaky, but yes. They- well, I mean, Vader, Vader and Obi-Wan as voices only, but you hear them yes. and their, their presence are there, yeah. So. That, 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 yeah, that is – that is true. I kind of, I kind of was a little surprised we didn't have a little, I mean, a little more of Vader in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about the Anakin thing in a minute because that thing still eats at me more. But I, I, I but I still, that is a good point though. You have to be, you do have to be consistent. At least have some kind of, you know, you yeah. kind of, you do kind of, you do kind of keep that thing going. Uh, but yeah, I, I liked the scene with with Han and Ben. I actually, I. That I thought that was kind of like a moving scene. I liked the fact I liked that that Han got the I know yes. one more time. Like when Ben was like Dad, he's like I know. Which and I was like, which was, I think I, at least when I saw it on the Thursday night showing, and I can't go by the Friday because of you know the after the matinee wasn't that busy. Matinee was a good one to go see because there were a lot of older people in it, so it wasn't mm-hmm. packed. But there was a good audience, so you, you didn't have to worry about people talking to the movie potentially. Not that to be fair, not that many people talk during our. Or seven o'clock on Thursday either, but I think that I think the subtleness, which is you know a lot of the callbacks in this movie are not subtle, but I think the subtleness of the way that's played, I think that went over some people's heads. So that was a that, that was the direct that was a direct throwback and callback to Leia. I love you. I know uh, that, that 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 he was about to tell his dad that he loved him. And he goes, I know that, but it worked. Yeah, I thought I thought it worked really well. Obviously, that was another that was that was another. That was another place that if they weren't going to do, let's say, let's say Harrison Ford said, oh, "I'm not coming back again." <laughs> that that was another moment where they could have had Anakin. If they were going to have anybody speak to Ben mm-hmm. other than other than than his father, Anakin would have been perfect because Anakin, not because because the whole point is you're trying to bring him back to the light. And there's anybody who's gone through the same stuff he has and can relate. Besides the fact that he idolizes this guy, it would have been Anakin. So I, I I wouldn't I, that wouldn't have been my ideal place to put Anakin, but I was but the, but I was thinking the other night about about where they could have put Anakin. Clearly, if Harrison Ford didn't agree to do that scene, that would have been the most logical place to do to put Hayden Christensen in. If, if you wanted to do something that was not going to dramatically affect the you know the actual final battle, which of course depending on what you read, the final battle was edited so many times that there probably is a version that exists where you actually get to see Jedi spirit. <laughs> But I do think that scene worked really well. I do like the fact that it, you know it mirror you know it mirrors perfectly the conversation between him and uh, him and Han and Star Killer Base. But obviously this time it's him making the right decision. When uh, I, I so I thought that was very I thought that was I thought that was pretty powerful. 
I, I also liked I I also liked even though some people probably have an issue with it I liked the fact that when the Leia Leia dies basically reaching out to Ben and and debatably maybe connecting her life force with Ben that either way the, she's not completely gone until Ben's gone yeah and, when, and only when Ben dies. Again, Ben should know the ability to fade away either, but 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 they have but that's one of the things they have completely screwed up in episodes eight and nine or Jedi's you know Force Ghosts. They have completely spit the bed on Force Ghosts, which causes a lot of. It's not even what you're going to talk about going forward. It's looking back at like, okay, if they can. Now, some people there was an interesting theory that the reason why the Force Ghosts are so powerful is because it's on Octo Octo, that they're more powerful there than they would be anyplace else because of because of that being such a almost like a nexus for the light side of the force being you know the first jedi temple or whatever that maybe yoda and luke can do things there that they couldn't do elsewhere mm-hmm. that if you buy that if it, now there you could go with that and at least if you say that give that as an explanation that then insulates you from thinking why didn't they, why weren't they more helpful when they were fighting the emperor why didn't obi-wan show up and help luke when they were fighting palpatine you could give an excuse why yoda couldn't have showed up because maybe much like first you're a voice then you become a bot, and then, then you can manifest yourself as a physical form, and then you can influence the world around you. That it's a, that it takes time, that it stages. You might be able to come up with that reason for why Yoda couldn't have shown up in physical form, but then again, he shows up into celebration, so that kind of shoots the hole in that theory too. In Return of the Jedi, it opens I, a lot of can of I'm thinking of uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Didn't Force Ghost Obi-Wan help Luke fight Vader? Yeah, yeah. Which technically, well, did, they did keep that at canon for a long time, didn't they? I don't know if it is anymore, but it was. It I never made it sense. Anymore. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, cause, because he... Uh, because he, that's I still have that book, too. I never liked... I didn't see... I didn't like that book at the time because it had like no Han and Chewie in it. It was all about right. Leia, Luke, and uh, Kimbon, or wherever they went, and it's like... Uh, but yes, yeah, so part of the reason why he freaks Vader out is because he at one point he just channels the Force and he goes like, I, "I'm Ben Kenobi," and it's like he just kind of like Vader is like completely thrown off. Which even, especially knowing he, uh, the background that we know now, you can imagine why that would throw him off. It's like, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, he's got the high ground too. This is not going to end well. <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm just trying to look at important. Let's see the important things we haven't even touched on at all. So let's get. We can start moving towards the end of the, the end uh, the end of the movie. Uh, I, I really see one of the things that was I like the see again depending on what you read there were like so many so many different versions of the, of the final battle that well I'm probably never gonna know this I mean the only way we might know is if Lucas just doesn't care if his stock continues to drop and say oh yeah you know I I, help, I this was my contri- contribution to the movie that once again they threw out. <laughs> But one of the things supposedly was that one one hint was that or possibility was that Palpatine knew about the dyad. I kind of like the fact that he didn't, that that was just a just freak luck of the thing that he started that he just kind of did that, and all of a sudden he's like, wow, my fingers are growing back. Let me keep this up. I like the fa- I did I did like the fact that he that he went back to his Revenge of the Sith glory, including having the red robes, not all pitch black. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that was that was a nice touch. Uh, I thought I thought that was a nice touch. I like I like the fact that <clears throat> I like the fact that he kind of was getting payback for what Vader did to him by dropping <laughs> by dropping uh, Ben down the pit. <laughs> Which, which I do see. One of the things I also like about that is not that I ever read this comic book, but they had the comic book when Snoke was training Ben, 
And one of the things that he did was he put, he dropped Ben he dropped Kylo Ren like down this huge this huge uh, pit, and Kylo was able to stop himself from falling and he made his way out. So technically, that's that's picking up on something that's not in book not in the movie lore, but for people who have been you know the reading the established new canon that okay that's not that would make sense that of all things but then again palpatine should probably know that if he really created snoke and which is another thing that they completely gloss over we know he literally made him because he besides saying it we see jars of jars of snoke hanging around but we don't understand that relationship and how you know was he possessing snoke's body well we don't i'm sure yet that's going to be more book book fodder coming out uh so but I did like him dropping Ben down the pit. I thought that was cool. I, I didn't. I was not a big fan of the Jedi just talking to her. I had an issue with that. I thought again, if they if we if they had given us an explanation for why those Jedi spirits can do stuff on Octo that they or Octo that they can't do anywhere else, I'd be okay with it then. Then you can't expect them appearing in physical form. And anything like that, but of course I'm glad Obi Wan was the first one you heard, and I'm also glad that book ends what he says in the first movie when he said, "Yeah, that, these are your final yeah, steps." These are your final steps. Rise. I like the things that Anakin says. You know, uh, bring balance, like as I once did. Yeah, for like probably like ten minutes it seems, but nonetheless, not always longer than that. But still, because even Luke at least references that in the Last Jedi that there was balance for a time. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, but some of the others, I mean. They open up another can of worms because it's like, who is she? How is she talking to everybody? We un- we understand that certain characters is absolutely she should be able to talk to. We understand she could she, she should he or hear Obi Wan, Luke, Yoda, uh, Qui Gon. She should be able to contact those because we all know based on old canon that they were they became one with the Force. Yes, Qui Gon technically originally was not supposed to be full on. One with the Force, because his training never got completed before he died, which is why he was a voice. But still, but then they throw him. They they pull some weird characters to have in there. The Mace Windu, I'm okay with Mace Windu if they really go with if they really they really end up continuing and making making it canon that he didn't die when Palpatine killed him, because then he could have learned that down the road. He could have learned that ability to become one with the Force down the road. So I'm okay. So I can I can almost bend it for Mace Windu. But they have a bunch, you know, Adi Gaia. That's such a weird choice of characters. Luminara and Dooley. I was like, these are like, they, like, like pulling people out of their hat that were dead, you know, before Order sixty six. And it's like, and I don't care about Ahsoka. Ahsoka's okay too, even though nobody who's ever watched the movie would have any idea who Ahsoka was. But she could have learned that ability too before she died. I'm okay with that. And what's his face from Rebels? I'm okay. I mean, I'm okay with that. On some level, but they've just pulled some obscure Jedi out of a hat. It seemed to have voices there, and and what and what they just they just, they just like temporarily recharged her her force her, her force levels after, <laughs> after after Palpatine got her to eat. I mean, I don't know. I just so I liked that moment, and I liked the fact that it was just the voices. I thought like seeing a bunch of force ghosts of all the characters. It might have been really cool, you know. It might have felt like at the end of Avengers Endgame, where you're seeing all these people together and everything. And that might have been a really, really cool fan servicey moment. But I also felt like maybe it would look silly, maybe it would look distracting, especially since a lot of the fans don't necessarily like some of the characters from the prequels. Like if they if they end up showing it, I mean, I, I was okay with the way they did it, and I kind of liked that aspect of it. Um, what uh, 
shoot, there was I was going somewhere with it. There was something about that that part that I didn't like. Um, the force lightning EMP. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I I didn't. The the thing about throwing Ben down in the pit was I didn't like how wordy and how how Palpatine voiced it and everything when he was just like, "As I once fall, so now falls the grandson of Darth Vader" or something. I was just like, "Just shut up and throw him down the pit!" I was like, "Stop speechifying this! This is just too much dialogue." But I also I because of their dyad connection, I kind of wanted Ray and. Ben to both be there and both be equally instrumental in Palpatine's death. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm okay with it being because Ray was ultimately the hero and she did it, and then Ben's sacrifice was bringing her back. But I kind of wanted them both to both to be there when they kill Palpatine together or to, to stop him. However, I'm also I, I think I'm the only one who didn't want Ben to die. Who wanted him not to be not to say he's totally redeemed and he gets to go free, but actually to be essentially a prisoner and a war criminal and somebody who has to live with the consequences of his of his actions the way Darth Vader never had to live with those consequences. Um, that was just something I wanted. So I just I wasn't happy that she Ray has this triumphant moment. She takes out the Emperor and then she just dies because I guess that it took too much out of her, and then. Ben gets up there and he puts his life essence into her to bring her back and then they kiss and then he dies because he needs to die. I was just like the way those beats kept falling. I was just like, ah, this, this feels lazy and, and not satisfying to me. I think, so. I think they would have, the Ray dying, Ray dying in quotes, temp, temporarily dying, but then she got better. Uh, mm-hmm. that it would have been more believable. Believable if she got damaged when everything was collapsing around her, which is how I, when mm-hmm. I first read about how the new ending was supposed to be, that's what I assumed happened. Not that, oh, you know, my, it's like, oh, my force got, I got, my full force powers got drained out of me, and then I got temporarily recharged by tapping into the, 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 the force ghost power bank, but now I'm, now I'm completely drained, so I'm gonna die. I thought if they had, Showing more physical damage to her, I would have just liked the same thing going with Kylo. Yeah, we know. I mean, obviously, he got dropped out of pit. He's going to be in bad shape. They do have him limping. But if they had him looking a hell of a lot more worse for wear, then it's the fact that, okay, he had his life force drained out of him. He got dropped down the pit. It took probably almost everything he had to crawl up out of the pit to try to help her. He didn't have that much left in him. He basically had just enough to basically give her a jump start. And just by doing that was enough that his... He was gone. He couldn't. Yeah, yeah, and and something I was mentioning, like uh, that, I, I said to somebody else, like I would have, like even if it was just something as subtle as when he gave her, like transferred his force power, like back to her to like kind of jumpstart, if it kind of showed the the lightsaber wound in his chest that had healed, if that had opened up again right and That's just something idea, as simple yeah. as that kind of like showed like like that like the like the 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 way she had saved him he was giving that back and it resulted in basically he was dead again like he had this gaping wound from the lightsaber that killed him or something like that maybe that i would have been happier with but but i am glad that like i said i'm glad they changed it because of the fact that if, by all accounts the major one of the few consistent things about the ending of this movie was palpatine dropped him down the pit and that was all you were ever going to see a kylo gone mm. That would have not think. I don't think that would have worked for most people. I think people would have been unhappy. I think by doing it the way they did, they did give they did give Ben more of a more of a redemptive moment. I 
he did, you know, he he was a contributing factor. He wasn't a contributing factor in defeating Palpatine, but at least he helped keep Rey alive and technically keep, you know, keep the Jedi alive, even by even if it wasn't his intent. Uh, but but when you went back to what you said a few minutes, based on the what the Kylo Ren we got in this movie, yes, if they had kept him alive, I would have been okay with that. I'm not a huge fan of the redemption. I've gone, I've said multiple times, I never bought the Vader redemption either. Uh, Vader had to die. Kylo Ren probably had to die too, but I would have because because he he had shown so much character growth in this movie even before he completely came back to the light. I I could have been open to the idea, but if they're trying to end the story and they really want to end the story, then I guess they had to kill him because he really is a Skywalker. Because then you could always go well, you could revisit this in like ten years and have their kids. Could just imagine how powerful their kid could be. Really, I mean, <laughs> right. it, it could be a dud like Palpatine's son, but it could be something really, really cool. <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, they technically they still could with Rey if she if she's a Skywalker in name. It might not be the same bloodline. That's but. true. Or some people said, "Oh, when he maybe when he when he saved her, he put like a Force baby in her belly." No, please, no, no more, no immaculate conception, please. Um, I just had some. Oh, related to. Now here's something people have said, and I don't. I agree with part of it, but not all of it. And I know you're not a fan of the prequels, so that so your take on this may be different. A lot mm-hmm. of people have said that the big issue with doing having this movie end and this nine this trilogy go the way it did is that it completely negates Vader's sacrifice at the end of Return of the Jedi. And from my perspective, the only part of Vader, and this is why I want to talk about what 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 Anakin. But they could have done with Anakin in this movie. The reality is, I think it completely craps on his role as the chosen one. But I don't think it—I don't think it affects his sacrifice or his his redemptive moment. Because to me, the only the only every, much being typical Anakin, what he did at the end of Return of the Jedi was all personal. All he he finally made a decision. Took long enough, but he made a decision. It's like you know, I can't. I'm not going to let this old bastard fry my son anymore. I want my son to live. Right. So he he made a sacrifice to say, to keep his son alive. He wasn't picking the rebellion over the empire. He wasn't picking the Jedi over the Sith. He was he was picking Luke over the over over Palpatine. Just yes. So in my so from my perspective, the people who are saying he, Vader's sac his redemption or his sacrifice was is is ruined. It's not because that's all it was. The only thing that I think is you can make a case for is his role as the chosen one and the fact that he was really the main character of the first six movies even before we realized he was. This that takes a hit because of the fact of how because of what Ray's role was in this movie and the fact that they didn't have Anakin in it at all. And, yeah, I mean, and I know you don't yeah. like it. I know. I mean, a lot, a lot of people are not a fan of, of at least Hayden's portrayal of Anakin. Whether you think it's his fault or the way the roles, or the way it was written, I think he certainly was much better in Sith than he was in uh, Attack of the Clones. I, I don't. I don't even think it comes down to necessarily the performance or the character. I mean, part of like just, I, I think there's enough sort of ambiguity and confusion about the idea of a chosen one just based on the the way it was written. And and you kind of brought it up, and I, I've talked about this elsewhere, like the idea of what does bringing balance to the Force mean. Like, right. what does that mean? Is that wiping out all of the evil and all of the dark side? Well, then you have only the light side. Well, that's not balance. Like, a balance suggests that equal equality on both sides. I was like, so that means as much good as there is evil, as much light as there is dark. So, uh, like, I mean, 
by the end of Return of the Jedi, if Luke is the only Force person like left standing, then there isn't balance. If, if there's more light, so it's just it's just kind of a weird thing where I I don't know how to answer that question because it's something that I, I never really thought the language that they used to describe these things made a whole lot of sense. Well, that was part of the problem is because we have a prophecy that we don't even have language of the prophecy. <laughs> that <laughs> that is one of the biggest flaw. I mean, one of the biggest thing. I mean, I do not hate the prequels. I I. I, I like Revenge of the Sith very much. I, it held, I watched it the other night. It held up very well. And at least at least that trilogy knew where it was going. I mean, yes, it was easier to know where you were going because you have to book in four, four through six. But still, but I think the fact that they never told us, even in the novelization, they could have told us what the actual written words of, those pro, of the prophecy was. So when you say oh, a, pro- a prophecy misread may have been, well, what's the prophecy that's being misread? What does it actually say? But I know, but every so yes, it leaves it completely open to interpretation. What it might have, what it really was. But I'm thinking if they, if they, if they were, if they had wanted to give, there were three things they could have done to have Anakin in this movie, and only one of one, one of which would have helped if if you were concerned with, if you cared at all about him trying to make sure that you could still say, well, he still was the chosen one. Blah 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 blah. We already talked about one that was where if, if Han wasn't going to have that moment, that was a natural place to have Anakin talk to Ben. They could have done that. The second real easy one to do, which wouldn't have changed anything, was when they're on Tatooine at the end of the movie, when you're kind of getting your tacit approval by the Skywalkers that, hey, to take my name, you could have had Anakin, you could have had Leia, you could have had Luke, and you actually could have had Ben. You could have had, the, That's what I was you could have had everybody, Anakin in the middle, Luke to the right, Leia to the left, or obviously you could have switched, and then Ben with their arms around each other, Ben, no matter what side he's on, with his arm around Leia. That's and also Admiral Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> May he rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dude, did Neon Numb die in this one? Did he die in like the the Corellian Corvette when it was going down? I don't know. I don't. I, I want to say no. But I'm going to try to pay attention. That would kind of suck. You have that guy survive. You know, uh, just like, I mean, I wouldn't. Ble- I wouldn't suck as much as having. Well, no, mate, it's debatable whether it would suck more bringing Wedge in and killing Wedge off because at least Wedge <laughs> missed the last two movies. Neon Numb's been in like – they've made a point of bringing him back in. Uh, at least Akbar's son's still alive uh, yeah. for what it's worth. Junior! Um, but yes, but they could have done that with Anakin, which would have been real easy, would have had no effect on the outcome. And I thought about this. If they wanted, if they wanted to have a moment during the fight with Palpatine to, to continue to, – uh, to continue – I answer the critics who might have said, besides the chosen one idea, the idea that, that Vader's sacrifice is being negated. They could have had Anakin make a choice, either sacrificing himself, shielding Rey, or giving his power to Rey, in which he was, ma- was being made clear that what he was doing in the process was sacrificing his oneness with the Force. That his immortality, basically, that he has achieved in one with the Force. Not that he should have had that. <laughs> he didn't train for it. Not that he deserves it. But we know that he has it. That he that he was basically making a sac the ultimate sacrifice that there was no life after death that he is sacrificing his life after death to save Ray or to one way or the other by either giving that power to Ray or to protect her while she's getting while she's you know shield her from force lightning and just sacrificing his full identity because that way at least he would have made a sacrifice in this movie too and he would and then you could still say interpret if you wanted to like you said that ambiguity ambiguity of the prophecy. He could still make a case. He was. He did. He was sacrificing himself, and still helped bring balance. Just like, 
Just like technically, in a way, Luke helped bring balance, though Luke wasn't the chosen one. <laughs> Luke was the one that get just snapped the chosen one out of his funk. <laughs> but now those are just things that I thought. I, I it's kind of hard to end a nine movie Skywalker saga and not really have Anakin involved. I think I, one way or the other. I mean, it, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to just. I mean, in my, I just considering how important his arc was to the first six movies and. And because he played a role in beating and playing Palpatine, you know Palpatine yeah. and everything else. But. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, yeah. I I definitely thought at the end I was like there was there was room to have the entire all, the whole family like all four of them or at least more than just the twins um, in that in that final shot with the ghosts. Um, uh, I mean, well, I was gonna say. I mean, you could argue that because Ray never knew anything. She didn't have that connection to him. She only saw the ghost. She knew, but she had the connection to Ben. So why wasn't Ben there? So I, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, Ben. No, yeah, Ben Solo. Uh, yeah, Ben. Ben Solo. Ben Solo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it. You. I mean, it seems like it's a misstep. It wouldn't. Have, it would have been really easy to do. It wouldn't have hurt anything. It would have made people. I mean, unless they, unless they, the thinking was, oh, you know, if you put him in here, then people are gonna say, well, why didn't he show up before? So, I mean, I guess that you could have done that. It just seems like it would have. It just seems that would have been a nice, a nice bookend, and at least that way you wouldn't have changed. You know, if you didn't, if you didn't want any Jedi spirits factoring into the final battle, other than their disembodied voices, obviously helping. Char- I mean, she was still getting help. They just she wasn't. You just weren't seeing them physically. I mean. I don't know. I, you you could have had brief moments of of them just like almost like of like coming, you know, her seeing them and then coming close to her and disappearing as opposed to either coming into her to charge her up. They could have done something. I don't know how. It's hard to imagine it wouldn't have looked. Even though I do have to laugh, it does continue the ongoing tradition of Liam Neeson never quite becoming a Forest Ghost, <laughs> almost, <laughs> but never quite. And I, and, and I don't count the episode of uh, the three part episode of the Clone Wars on Mortis. That because, oh, yeah. because that was not really that was not really a, Jedi, a true Force ghost because Ahsoka was talking to her future self too. But speaking of that, and yes, that was a purposely done segue. Uh, I watched a video before, which again, it probably is bullshit, honestly. But it, but the rumor was that this is a that this is kind of what happened when J, with JJ coming on board. That as soon as that they as soon as the Trevorrow thing became, you know, that that was. Insurmountable problems. Everybody in Kathleen Kennedy's side said, "Oh, we have to get Ryan Johnson back." Bob Iger, who didn't like the Last Jedi, said, "No, we're not going to do that." <laughs> I think he and Bob, I think uh, Bob Iger and Alan Horn both didn't want Ryan Johnson back. But according to this, anyway, for what it's worth, take it with a grain of salt. That Bob Iger is the one who went to Abrams personally and said, we, "You need to come back and <laughs> fix this." And he said, "Okay, I'm willing to come back, but I need to be. I want to do what I want to do." I mean, I basically need mm-hmm. to do the movie I want to do and not have be interfered with, i.e., Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> and Iger said yes. And then after after he came on board, shortly after he came on board, Abrams reached out to Lucas, to George Lucas, to try to get ideas here because basically almost everything that he started in Episode Seven got destroyed in Episode Eight. So he was reaching out to George Lucas to try to come up with ideas for what the hell can we do in Episode Nine to wrap all this up. And the rumor was, and and the and the, and the you know the, the the theory or the rumor in this video was that the where they were going to go with this was that they were going to go. Speaking of that three-part episode of on Mortis, they were going to go to the son of Mortis, 
the dark side son of Mortis, and use him as the main bad guy. And that's the role Matt Smith was rumored to pl- be playing. That that's who he was cast as. And if you look at him physically, it would make sense. I mean, because he is kind of lean and everything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so they wrote. So the rumor is he and so he and Lucas helped work on that script. But it was but Bob Iger got cold feet because of the, because of the lack of ties into any, to other movies that he was afraid this could turn into another Last Jedi because people would have no idea who this character is. And while Palpatine, I think, was still supposed to have an influence, he was but. In that mo- in the movie, have a f- but not be alive. He was still supposed to be dead. But they were supposed, but he was, but whether it was going to be, you know, th- inf- inf- he was going to have some influence one way or the other. Whether he was going to be physically in the movie, as in flashbacks or whatever, he was still going to be a f- his presence was going to be felt. But he was still supposed to be sure. dead. But that was that's what I so that's what I read today that that's but it was at that point when Iger got cold feet and that's when they basically started doing a whole lot of the rewrites and reshoots and changing it and making sure that you know that's where Palpatine started becoming more of an active role in the movie. So like at the end of so at the end of 2017 into 2018, supposedly when uh, Abrams and Lucas were working on this idea, probably not true, but it's interesting. But it certainly was an inter- would be an interesting take. Because that, because those, those were three great episodes of the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. Those, that was awesome with Anakin getting to see the future. You know, this is what your future is going to be, and and it's like so. That, so he joins with the son, so to avoid that destiny, and then he has to basically get my. He gets his own mind wiping, so he doesn't remember it. Yeah, that was, I, yeah, that was great, and even that, and that was what just, that was the first time quite yeah Liam Neeson appeared on that show, uh, as as Qui Gon. Yeah. I I still have a feeling that we'll see him in the Obi Wan Disney Plus series. I think so too because they certainly have, thanks to that from a certain point of view book appropriately named that Obi Wan mm-hmm. story that they have, think have re- they have now retconned where Qui Gon is able to take physical form. When in the beginning, yeah. the original the first canon was that no he learned the power he didn't master it which is why you only hear his voice. In right. episode two, <laughs> they didn't give it, they they didn't even give him his voice in episode three, which was a joke because like when when uh, Bale is going in to find to tell Yoda that we've made contact with Obi Wan when Yoda's meditating in the book, he's talking to Qui Gon, he's communicating right, right there. With, so I couldn't believe that Qui I I expected Qui Gon to be in the movie from reading the book, let alone the fact that he's not his voice wasn't even in the movie. But they made it clear the Clone Wars show kind of goes along that route, that Qui-Gon never mastered the ability. He's maintained identity, but he can't assume physical form. But he starts Yoda down the path to learn the power, and obviously Yoda begins to learn the power. He teaches Obi-Wan the the first steps of learning the power, and then they continue to master the power, so they're both fade away into the Force, which makes sense. But obviously when it comes to that, just having a – you know, back when Return of the Jedi came out, having Anakin show old Anakin show up as a Force ghost, it's like okay, because we thought all Jedi did that. We thought that mm-hmm. was a natural thing at that point. We'd already seen two Jedi before, and they die, they become one with the Force. Okay, now we know that's not what happens or what didn't happen. So Anakin and I had no issue with young Anakin because I buy the I buy the young Anakin theory because when he Anakin died, the Jedi part of Anakin died when he was became Darth Vader. So the so the young part of Anakin – so Vader, so Anakin looked the way he did when he actually, again, from that certain point of view story, Obi Wan was completely correct. That when he mm-hmm. became Vader, that's when Anakin was destroyed. The Jedi Anakin was destroyed. So yes, if the Anakin Jedi is returned, or he comes back to the light, that's how he can appear. I have no yeah. problem with that. I thought that was okay. That was okay. But we know everybody doesn't become one with the Force. I, it's, I'm okay with Leia, obviously, because you assume Luke. 
How did you feel about the flashback? We didn't talk about the training flashback. Um, which was supposedly the I, original opening of the movie, from what I heard. That was supposedly how the movie began, which I guess was going to book in with Ray training with Leia. Hmm, and then, yeah. then there was rumors that it was cut, but then I heard that. They, but then the thing was, oh, it was put back in. I was glad they put it back in because of what. Yeah. Just because I think it was, it's a cool scene to see. Personally, it, yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's cool to see that to get that sense that Leia was training, and also to to sort of briefly explain why she stopped and that line that she saw her she saw the death of her son at the end of her Jedi training, um, and, and the fear. Um, for just nostalgia's sake, I liked what they did with the de aging to make it look like you know Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher from circa nineteen eighty five or something like that. That was kind of cool to see. Um, I did think it was a little bit unnecessary, like that though. The dialogue could have carried that moment itself, but it, it was fine. I liked seeing it. Yeah, I, I did too. I thought I'm, I was I was pleasantly surprised that was that was in the movie. I because I was mm-hmm. because depending on what you had heard at, at one point, it was in the beginning of the movie. Then it was out. Then and then then it was like okay, it's back in the movie, but it's not where it was supposed to be. Or where it was original? Where it was originally? They repositioned it, which based on where they put it, it makes sense. It's not going to begin right. the movie and book in Ray's training with Leia. Then yeah, having Luke talking about Leia and and his and things like that. Just like at one point, I think that's it was supposed to be where Leia, where Leia was. Leia gave up training more because 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 she was pregnant. That she was going to mm-hmm. put her, her training on hold because she was pregnant. Um, but I kind of like the fact that. You know, the Jedi. I I kind of liked what they did, how they how they retcon that, and you know. So I I, I did I, overall. Yes, it's, we know this. There's, there's lots of, there's lots of holes in this movie, and I mean there's lots of holes in all and there's lots of holes in all these movies. You could poke holes in tons of things, and light speed skipping is just like the equivalent of Han of Han being uh. landing a, a of, of of coming at a light speed when he's already like on, on the surface of the atmosphere of the planet, and, and it's going down that, that base. Something. That was something about the new about the, all of the new movies, including like Rogue One and Solo. Like once they started doing like having light speed jumps in atmosphere, I'm like <laughs> shaking my fist at you. I'm like, no, I don't like this. So, but yeah, but, yeah, was, yeah. but I do agree with you. I, I would be surprised if Liam Neeson doesn't actually show up finally as a right. Jedi spirit, um, in, as a Force ghost in the Obi Wan series, which I'm greatly. Looking forward to now that I now that I got my Fire Stick for Christmas. Now I can once I get that mm-hmm. configured, then I can finally sign up for Disney Plus, and then I'll actually be able to catch up on uh, catch up on all things Baby Yoda. Uh, <laughs> just in time for the show to be over with, of course. But still, but then I, <laughs> then I can just binge watch it, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, looking at the looking at the movie as a whole, I mean, I, and we've. We've you know scrutinized it. We've shown things that don't make any damn sense, and we've looked at like, parts that, that we enjoyed. Like I, I think when, when I kind of the part that I found myself, I'm like, you know, what? I'm really enjoying this. And at the end of it, when I left, I was like, it was kind of the the second act, the middle chunk when our heroes are on an adventure together and they're searching for the MacGuffins, which you do in every adventure quest type of movie. That's just a that's just a trope that we go along with. I was like. But I loved that scene, and for one thing, I like the camaraderie, the sense that these heroes are together, they're on a common quest, but we're also developing their characters, even though finding out that Poe was a former Spice Runner didn't make any damn sense, but like anything with his character that we've seen up to this point. But I was digging all of that stuff, and I was like, because that middle chunk, that second act, 
didn't feel like a Star Wars movie that we had seen before. It wasn't J.J. Abrams doing a remix of something that we'd already seen. Once we got to the ending battle at Exegol, I was like, okay, we're getting shades of, we're getting a lot of shades of, of Return of the Jedi and everything like that. And this is a little bit different, but I was like, that there were a lot of like parts of that ending battle that I was just, that weren't as strong to me, but I liked seeing these heroes together. And it reminded me of in, in the, the Force Awakens. The first 45 minutes of that, from the beginning attack on Jakku until Rey and Finn take the Falcon away and they blast their way away from the TIE fighters and leave the planet. I think those first 45 minutes are like some of my favorite Star Wars. I was like, I like these new characters. I like the archetypes that they were setting up. I like their interactions. And I really would have liked to spend more time with them. And I think this trilogy kind of... hamstrung itself by wanting to do stuff with legacy and wanting to do stuff with these new characters while also being almost handcuffed in its devotion to the previous trilogy and and how much jj loved the original star wars and those casts and and uh, i mean uh, my wife and i we talked about like this movie should have been set 50 or 100 years later to really get the the distance it's but they weren't going to do that because at the time they're like all these actors are still alive and we're gotta use them we've got to get them and and i don't know if that limited them creatively or or if that was a mistake i i ultimately i don't know i just this this is kind of a weird trilogy because it feels like the first two movies of it kind of show a lack of forward progress i mean jj abram like with the force awakens he was negating and contradicting stuff from there or basically saying the events of return of the jedi didn't matter he was just doing a remix of the first movie that he loved so much and then ryan johnson with chapter eight he's saying well that last movie was stupid and you're dumb for liking it if you thought so so by the time you get to this last one what are you doing? What kind of trilogy do you even have if you've basically got to get the entire story in this one movie? But inexplicably, he he made it entertaining and a fun watch. Does it make a whole lot of sense? Not a lot. Not uh, not at all times. Uh, are there problems? Uh, yes, there are. But. I, I could I could zone out and watch it. it. There was enough little fan servicey things that I liked, but there was also just enough new stuff. And I was like, I wish we had gotten more of this. I wish we had another movie with these characters and this type of story. And there's a whole lot of potential in these movies that, for the first time, maybe makes me interested in what the, the expanded universe could be coming out of this. And I haven't been up to this point, um, but we'll see. We'll see where they go. I think you're right about the fact that putting them all together, which is something we never we've never we never had with these three characters, mm-hmm. and this was and this was a good movie for all of them. This was a good this was a much better movie for Ray. I thought Ray's character took a step back in an eight. Finn obviously took a major step back in eight, uh, mm-hmm. and Poe Poe was about the only one who actually had an arc in in eight, and Poe yeah. and so I did putting them all together. I did I obviously like the fact that. They were trying to also mirror the the Han and Han and Luke competing for Leia aspect because they they, they both certainly seem to have an interest in we well, we Finn's clearly has always had an interest in Ray but Poe obviously has some interest in Ray though Poe might like Han Solo might just have a wandering eye based on his relationship with Carrie Russell's character but but they have a backstory so you you can you can let that one go uh, but I think that 
Did okay. So did a, speaking of that, did it bother you that we never actually got Finn to say what he was planning on telling Ray? No, no. I because we knew what he was going to say. I mean, it, it was obvious what he he felt. And by that point, like once once you know, once the other girl comes into his life, he's like, yeah, you know. And and at that point, when Ray is literally pushing Finn away. I was like, okay, we know that these two aren't going to be together, and you know now he's got another, he's got some other action. He he can choose between Jana and Rose, honestly, or, or not choose, <laughs> or not choose. There's yeah, plenty of fun to go around, baby. <laughs> Actually, supposedly, and I thought I, I think we all assumed what what Finn was going to say, but according to Abrams, that's he wasn't going to say what we thought he was going to say. There was some Q and A session after the uh, one of the showings of the movie. And I think what he basically said was he was going to tell her that he was force sensitive, which is kind of a friggin' stupid thing to say when you're about to die. <laughs> hey, I'm force sensitive. What? <laughs> yeah, that was those were also like weird things with Finn, like the hints that Finn was force sensitive, which was a really kind of stupid revelation. And I don't know what they were doing with that. I also think I, I call BS on that. J.J. Abrams has lied to the audience to their face on previous occasions, and I think that it's exactly what he's doing here. I would tend to I would tend to agree with that because it doesn't make a lot of sense in context. Uh, it seemed like he was gonna, yeah, I love you, and instead of I know, it's like I don't care. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we're just friends. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, let's be that. I mean, at least there was no there was no turn on that because I think Abrams is being consistent on that. If you're, if you're looking, forget about you know uh, the Jedi friend zone. Forget about crap like the reality is at the end of Force Awakens when when Finn's like barely alive and she just is like I like I, like, I know we'll meet again or I'm sure of it or whatever and she just kisses him on the forehead. That's telling. That's yeah. that is that's, no. I mean it's sweet, but it's completely telling you that she has no interest in him romantically whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, but their time together, their time together, I I did I did greatly enjoy, it, and it does it did harken back to the good stuff we had with with Luke and Han and Leia. Though to be fair, the majority of that was just in the first movie and somewhat in Return of the Jedi, because really in Empire they really were never together for more than, I mean, they, other than Luke when he was convalescing, they really were none of them. They really weren't all together, all of them like in one. Yeah, in, in Empire they only have two scenes together, and one of them Luke's in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Wearing a diaper, but you're right. Those those fancy back to diapers. Uh, but you're actually getting getting back to the Ray and Finn thing. She should have said, "I'm sorry, I can't be with a black man. My grandfather wouldn't approve." Oh God, no, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? You're ruining the family life. You're disowned. Bring Kylo Ren again. I I I. I, I I want to write some sort of like funny comic strip fan fiction thing about Emperor Palpatine with his like misanthropic teenage son who's not a Sith and everything. It's just basically like Doctor Evil and Scott. It's just like how different they are. Just this is your last chance to go to Sith school now. No, <laughs> I don't want to go. It's like whatever. I'm playing Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> you disappoint me. I'm playing X-Wing Rogue Squadron. He's like, don't you mean TIE Fighter? No, I mean X-Wing Rogue Squadron. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, yeah he's, he's playing some video game and he's always taking the light side. Where have I gone wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I I agree. I greatly enjoy I think I was pleasantly surprised, but I think that's the benefit. There's no doubt going in with like no expectations absolutely helps you in situations like this. Mm. And Abrams did. He... 
it's again like a, kind of bookending this conversation before we end it. It's not a blanket excuse. He I, could there have been a could it there have been a better movie here? Could it have been a better, a more solid story? Could the script have been polished a little bit more? Yes, it could have been, but. He was left in a really crappy position. He was handed a really fecal-covered baton to run with. Ooh, yeah. And considering that he made this movie entertaining, and it feels somewhat feels somewhat satisfying. I, I wish we had gotten more of Palpatine. He's such a great character. I, and it's still hard to believe Ray would, you know, come on. Palpatine was, Palpatine's really, really good. I mean, Ray, I mean, but in a way, maybe it's better they didn't have the lightsaber thing because she would have got her ass completely handed with a lightsaber. But maybe reflecting the force lightning back on him was like, I can't stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm fired and I can't get up. It's like, I don't, but, but hey, it's Palpatine. Who knows? Uh, maybe maybe he's really dead this time just because all the thousands of Sith acolytes went down with him. <laughs> That was kind of weird too. Cree, you know what I expected? I expected Batman. I expected Bane and Batman to climb out of the pit when they were chanting. It's because that's what it reminded me of. The Dark Knight Rises. Um, but maybe on that note, it's a good place to end. I think uh, yeah. So, anything you want to push, Ryan? This is your time. Uh, yeah, you can find me on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm the host of several shows there, including Cheerscast, um, uh, Fire and Water Records, a couple of other things. Uh, it's It's been a while since I've been consistent, but I do have plans in motion for several upcoming episodes of Give Me Those Star Wars. So uh, if nothing else, the this movie and, and The Mandalorian have kind of like jump-started my interest in, in this franchise again. So I, I do want to – I will have more discussions about this movie and about the whole sort of like Disney Disney Star Wars Phase 1 in the future as well as some other topics. So you can find me there on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for my name. Excellent. And, and, <laughs> and at least – see, the TV shows really have – I think because of The Mandalorian, at least the TV shows have started off on the right foot. So especially knowing the ones that we're getting and, I, and supposedly mm-hmm. they – Supposedly they're moralizing and they have plans at least like through 2022 or 2025 or something with TV shows. We just don't know what they are yet. That there's a there's a there's a I mean even the Lando thing. I mean the Lando and Jana thing with the whole subplot they dropped. That's, I think mm-hmm. it's in the book. I think when we read the book, it's going to be in the book. But they kind of but having it but, but shooting that the way they did, which, which no, admittedly it was kind of creepy. <laughs> but but they could be opening the door. Who knows? They could be opening the door for a Lando for a Lando TV show. Wouldn't be surprised. I, I still think I, I have a feeling that we are going to get a Lando series starring Donald Glover. I think that's that's. I don't think I think Disney loved that performance. They loved the Goodwill. I think that was the one part of Solo that they weren't disappointed with. Um, so I think they they will try and get him back. And I don't think they're going to do any movies for you know three to four years. Um, but I think they're going to try and get a Lando series. So there's certainly a lot of interesting material. To mine, they could. I mean, they could. They could do. They could do so much. I mean, I'll be stunned if they don't do something with Darth Maul because everybody loves Darth Maul. Uh, I don't, yeah. yeah. That they, I mean, and if they're going to do that, they better do that soon too. Because well, like Ray Park is still believable and doing all that. I mean, he's still really good, but to make him still as believable and when it comes to to his acrobatics and lightsaber skills, might as well take it take advantage of it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. people would definitely be in, people would definitely be interested in that. So. 
cool. So this is going to wrap up this segment, uh, depending on how this episode goes. This could be the whole episode. We don't know, but we're going to, <laughs> but we're recording this as a segment because there will be more I, – so I'm assuming there will be more Star Wars in this episode. And, yes, hopefully uh, – I'm sure you and I will be talking about Star Wars in the not-too-distant future. Hope so. Hope so. So good night, everybody. Take care. <laughs>